Welcome to My Best Friend's an Engineer, the podcast where we spill the tea on being women in STEM. I'm Libby, a Milwaukee-based project engineer and a 2019 mechanical engineer graduate from Miami University. And I'm Lexi, a Chicago-based validation engineer and a 2020 chemical engineer graduate from Miami University working in the medical device industry. We're best friends who met in college while getting our engineering degrees. Tune in to catch discussions with women in a variety of male-dominated industries, candid conversations around our careers, and chats about being girly girls in STEM. If you're looking to develop your professional career skills and connect with a community full of women in STEM, then this is the podcast for you. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back. <laughs> HR is in the <laughs> HR is in the house, everyone. <laughs> everyone, you're going to get scared. <laughs> no. Oh, my headphones just fell. Oh, my God. Oh, no. just ripped my It's a chaotic up. intro. Chaotic intro. Okay. You guys, we're talking about HR today. We had on Paisley Pilot. She is an HR professional. She works in HR at a machine shop. So she hires a lot of people in male-dominated industries. And we asked her all the tea. Okay, here are the highlights. We asked her about how to interview, what to put on your resume, how to deal with microaggression in a male-dominated industry, the gender wage gap, fights between girls in the office, literally so many things. So Girl before fight. we get into this amazing episode, before we get into it, Lexi, how has your week been? Give us the tea of the week. My week has been splendid so far. It's one of those weeks where it feels so long and I haven't had one of these weeks in so I long. Agree. I think I think they've been flying by, but I had a little bit of travel earlier this week, which is why it feels so long. I drove to our alma mater, good old Miami, Oxford, Ohio, right, Red Hawks. So there I was hosting a panel. So the topic was friendships within women in STEM or like amongst women in STEM. So kind of talking about your support system during school, how to find a female support system in the workforce and just everything in between. So we had three great panelists, um, two were further along in their careers. One was an entrepreneur and one was a NASA engineer. And then we also oh, had a wow. PhD student on the panel. So it was really good to get oh all these gosh. different perspectives. A bunch of smarties. Yeah. A little a bunch of smarties. So it was awesome <laughs> to get all everyone's, you know, different opinions. So we had the people who were in industry mm-hmm. for a while. We had me who was just entering three years in. And then we had the PhD student who hadn't entered inter- industry yet and could kind of talk a little bit more about how it you know, women in STEM friendships look yeah. like in academia. So that was awesome. It was so fun to host, hosting my first panel. Um, the drive, though, I think it's oh. gotten longer. It, I think, you know, the, the drive to Miami right? is just so freaking long. <laughs> it's so long. And it's longer for you, too. So when we went last year, I think it was easier because we were both, you know, in the car. And we yeah, was, yeah, yeah. We were hanging out. <laughs> And I was like driving in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how long it is. And you know, you get off of um, the highway and you enter Richmond. And yeah. my goodness gracious, I forgot about the back roads. I was <laughs> driving for an hour. I was just so excited to get to the hotel and just just sleep. I was so tired. Wait, did you but, did you leave at 2 a.m. again just to come home? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, left, I left right after the event. So I left and I was driving home when it was a little dark. So I came, got home a little late. So that was kind of you know, kind of irks me a little bit. I'm like, oh eerie my gosh, vibes. if something, yeah. if some eerie vibes, if something pops out, I don't know, I'm just going to honk really loud. 
get out of my way. Oh my God, she's coming through. She wants to go home. But um, yeah, and I walked a little bit around campus. I had a little bit more time. Our trip, we were Aww. in and out 24 hours. Um, go listen to You guys, to we our... went to Miami. Go, what was that episode? It was a sweet event. It's I don't even titled remember. Sweet Event. Sweet I don't event. even know what number. Yeah, so it was last year. But we, we left at two in the morning. We were out yeah. of there. We did our thing funny. and we were gone. <laughs> Yeah, we hung out with some friends after, you know, saw some people that were still on campus. And then we walk, we wake up, we look at each other, we're like, you want to go? At two in the morning. <laughs> You're like, you yeah, wanna let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. We got to the 7 a.m. I know. That was crazy. But I, so this time I had a little bit more time to walk around on campus because I worked yeah, remotely yeah, yeah. from campus before the event. And everyone seemed so young. It was crazy to me of oh course my. i couldn't find anywhere to work so i just went back to the hotel lobby i forgot how small the campus is i was like walking uptown for the starbucks booked solid they were all everyone Packed. was everywhere i was like oh gosh okay i was like oh, i forgot the struggles i was like i love my little college town but yeah but other than that so that was great speaking of road trips i have another road trip planned as oh, a little you do? pto action yes i don't think i even talked to you about this no so, i don't think you have Next week, by the time this podcast comes out, I will be well across the country, but we are driving to Vegas. What? Did I I tell you about that? (laughs) No. Wait, what is Vegas? So we're going to Vegas because my family is flying into Vegas, and then we're going to drive to Zion National Park to do hiking. So it's a wholesome trip, essentially. But where the airport is, yeah, a little wholesome. But where the airport is, it's Vegas, you know, near Vegas. So... We are driving, Joey and I, because we are young and energetic, and we're like, yeah, we need to, we gotta <laughs> do this road trip. And my parents are like, you are crazy. So it'll be, I think, three other families that we're, we're going with. So oh, they're all flying oh, in, and so I'm fun. so excited. Yes, I'm so excited. It'll be a bigger trip, a bigger group. Um, but I personally am so excited for this little road trip. So when you're when you're oh. listening to this, I will be. On the West Coast. Gambling. I will be Just gambling. I will be I'm making some money. I'm gonna say, what what color is this? Blue? Can I put hundred on blue? They're like, no, it's red or black. I'm like, but it's blue, right? Oh, that's so fun. Wait, how many yeah. uh, days of PTO are you taking? Um, I'm taking a full week. Five days. So, Damn. I'm so excited. Okay, that's um that's good for you. That's good for Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited and it's similar to our Yellowstone trip that we did last year. Probably talked yeah. about it in our updates. I'll be off the grid. No one can contact me. I am unreachable. Mm, so it's funny because we're running, we're running a study at our Georgia site that week, and I told them, you know, I, I really won't be able to be contacted. You know, not even because yeah. I want to. I said I genuinely <laughs> like I'm you can't even text me. Yeah, and they're like, okay, and I'm like, no, I swear. I was like, I, you know, I'd be available if you, if you needed me. I was like, this is our study. I know, but it's just funny. So they're like, okay, you better be safe. I'm like. We got our family. Our family friends are very good at hiking, so they have it all planned out. Aww. But do you have hiking so shoes? All... Did you get a hiking outfit? I did. I did. I did. Um, oh I based my god! It off from? of Amazon. <laughs> okay, perfect. They have good. I think it's the brand is Columbia, but um, they oh. of course I based it off of the most important feature, the color. So I have these cutie patootie oh, little shoes. I love them. They have like a little bit of lavender. I'm gonna be a cutie little patootie on these rocks. Oh. <laughs> So, What's the but brand? I'm super excited. Are they Hoka's? Uh, Columbia, I think. Columbia. Colum- the shoes? Mm-hmm. 
go check them out next time you're hiking Ooh. in Wisconsin. Okay, I've never hiked before, but I'll check them out. Yeah, so that's my exciting updates, but lots of driving. But it's good because I'm getting antsy. I'm getting too stationary over here. <laughs> so Okay, fine. You'll have to let us know in the next episode how it was. But um, okay, so my week was good. My week has been really, really chaotic because I'm on three projects right now. I just got told I'm going to be on a third project. Can't tell you guys what it's about, but when it launches, I can show you. Um, so that's exciting, but I can't start the fourth project until one of these finishes up. And I just have to say my manager. So when I started this company, I did different manager. I got this guy like in August of last year or something. He has been amazing. Like we, I don't think I've ever had an, a di another manager that like I jive with so well, you know, which I feel like. That's good. Know, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. So like I'll, I'll, t I'll walk into his office and I'll be like, I literally cannot handle another project. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you want me to be a superstar, but I can't. And he'll be like, oh my God, yeah, I know. Like, I'm not giving you more work until you at least finish up one of these. And I'm like, whoa, that's really cool because you could be the opposite and be like, mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck that you can't handle it. Like, yeah. figure it out. So he's been a really big advocate. But no, I told him that one of my professional goals for this year is to learn how to be more candid in the workplace, mm -hmm. which goes great with today's episode where we learn that men are a lot more direct than women in male dominant industries, especially. And I have been trying to like push back on that a little bit. And we had like this big meeting yesterday and I really feel like I took charge and I was like rebuttaling people and I'm not, I can't say what the meeting was about, but mm -hmm. I just got to say my blood was boiling. Tensions were high. Ooh, and, high blood But I like pressure. kept it together and I, and I like, I converged the discussion and we, at the end of the meeting, got alignment of what we wanted to do. Some feelings I were hurt it. in the meeting, I think, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because at the end of the day we got alignment. So yeah, that's like my work update. Um, that's good. good so being candid in the I sense know. that you're, you, in what sense? <laughs> Um, so basically, like, can you like if like, someone what's your says, goal? okay, a little deeper I'll do us. like a hypothetical situation. So if, if a different group wants my group to go against our formal processes, which a lot of times mm -hmm. our formal processes for making a new product in the industry have to deal with like software. So, you know, we push th things through to, and track it via software rather than just sending emails to people being like, okay, now mm -hmm. order this, you know, like a, a, a purchasing person can only order something if it's in the system. And we had a situation where a group was trying to have us go outside of our system. And, and me being candid in that meeting was basically me when they said, like, you have to go outside your system. Me being like, no, we can't go outside of our systems. X, Y, Z, like because of XYZ, and if we do go outside of our systems, here are the repercussions, here's approximately what this is gonna cost the company if you make us do this. If you're okay with that, if you're okay with like costing the company money and spending mm -hmm. all this time and potentially having mistakes being made, that's on you, then I'm aligned. But mm -hmm. just wanna let you know, so like, and that for me to do in a professional setting is so, so hard. Like it is so laying hard. Down really law. Stick up. Libby's law. So Libby's hard. laying down it the law. Libby's law. It is so hard. I know. It so, is hard. Um, it is. Especially, you know, yeah. in a way that you want to be respectful and you don't want to cause further issues or any, you know, awkward feelings, you know, amongst team members. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was a good meeting, but no, um, work has been really busy because on Monday, I had, so actually when this episode comes out, no, okay, anyway, on Monday, we have a trade-off <laughs> discussion for one of my projects, Ooh, basically what, is, what, is, what that means. What does that entail? Is, well, so you have three main, like, categories when you're making a new product, cost, schedule, and design, and so... When we do a trade-off, it basically means that like we're prioritizing one of those three and the other two are going to drop. And so mm -hmm. me and this other engineer, her and I ha like created a design and we have to basically give justification in this meeting for why, like why we think we should increase the cost of this one product to make it because it'll make it better. And I'm really nervous because it's trade-offs are controversial because everyone has their own opinion. Yeah, and so, definitely. This will be good for you, though. Coming up. I You'll know, have to keep us updated. I know. So you said it, it'll be this Monday. So it'll be a little delayed. You'll have to, like, remember. Make a little note of how it went. I know. <laughs> okay, I'll just let you guys know. But, yeah, that's been going on. And then, like, on top of all of that, um, we're, we're finally going to see wedding venues this weekend. Oh, so, so If you guys missed it, I got engaged. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, no, I'm really excited because I have no expectations with wedding i actually made a tiktok about this but like i don't know about you but growing up i did not like i wasn't the girl that was dreaming of my wedding mm -hmm. you know i don't yeah, know how well. to describe it really like i'm excited to get married but like at the like i think i'm approaching it more of just like a party about me yeah <laughs> than like a wedding and you know you should yeah well i differ in the fact that i <laughs> wanted my wedding to be in a romanian castle for like you all did. of my life. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have no this wedding. And then I found out how much they cost. <laughs> Weddings in general. Ooh, and, I said, house? and I said, no, 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 no. That's my trade-off. I'm like, that is not worth it to me. Again, like like you're focusing on making it enjoyable for you. I want to make it more enjoyable for me instead of stressing about it being perfect. So mm -hmm. I, I also like you haven't really dived into <laughs> any further depth other than that uh, Romanian castle, but... Come on, I want to go to Romania. That would be my only chance. Maybe, maybe, honestly. <laughs> Bachelorette in Romania. <laughs> I read it out the Transylvanian castle. Everyone, get, oh a, get a skewer. <laughs> get a skewer, turkey leg. That's like the bridesmaid gift when you walk yeah. in. Here's a turkey leg. <laughs> like, here's a cape. We're going to just cosplay Dracula. <laughs> Run away. Catch me here's if you your can. Here's they're yeah. pink. They have pieces on them. <laughs> oh, my. oh man! Oh man! HR, call oh, HR. I know. I know. Let HR hear okay. this. That's okay. oh my god. Elsie's coming up here now. Okay. Um. Oh, you can't see my video. But anyway, that's that's what's going on. I think. Okay. We wanted to do for tea of the week this week. We wanted to read off some reviews because you guys have been popping off with the reviews lately and before we do that i have to give an embarrassing story so i actually left us a review i was gonna say <laughs> I, I see some familiar name here the baby on the label and i didn't know at least it like show my name a little so i literally named there. it the best podcast for career woman yeah okay okay bitch <laughs> <laughs> i love it honestly how about you read like an actual good review that we've gotten? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. B May 99 said, titled it Kemi Recent Grad. Wow, we are so aligned. I was so excited to read this one. 
Being a recent grad, it's hard to understand what you're going to face being the only female or one of the only females in the work environment. This podcast has helped me in so many ways from the office to preparing for my first work trip. Love this podcast. I am so glad to hear that. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, um, Erin Cogden wrote in a must-listen for STEM gals. Libby and Lexi are so fun to listen to. It feels so relaxing after a day at work in a male-dominated field to listen to them. I love listening to the different people they bring on, bring on the show, and learning about their career paths. There are so many different paths you can go on with a STEM major, and I love learning about them all. They give lots of great tips and everyday advice, and I love listening. And we love that you love listening. And I'm glad that you love the people we bring on because today we're bringing on someone that we've never even had on the podcast for an HR professional. So I'm super excited to get into this week's episode. Yes. And without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Today, you guys, we have an awesome guest on. Paisley Pila is going to be talking a little bit about being in HR in a male-dominated industry. We've never had a human resources professional on this podcast, so we're super excited to get into it. But before we get into our gambit of questions, you know we have a lot. Uh, Paisley, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself, what you went to school for, and maybe what you do for your career today? Yeah, I'd love to. So I um, started my working career in retail and customer service, essentially, which I really think is critical for my foundation of my career of being customer service minded and really people oriented. Um, But when I got into real jobs and that kind of thing and put my big girl pants on, I um, started going to school for um, human resources. I actually went to a technical college and have my associate's degree in HR. And when I got a job in HR, I... um, ended up continuing school to go for my bachelor's degree. Um, and I, my bachelor's degree is in leadership and organizational studies. So not Ooh. HR specific, but more on the employee relations side. And um, currently I am pursuing a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology. So um, yeah, yeah. So I currently work and have worked my whole HR career in the manufacturing industry. So um, and with our, our more on the shop floor side of things and in the last year and a half to two years um, working with, you know, professionals in manufacturing as well. So people such as engineers and purchasing and um, just more of those corporate roles in addition still to the manufacturing shop. So awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about how your, you know, what your master degree entails and how you're going to apply that to your career? Yeah, so I actually just started in January pursuing my master's in that industrial organizational psychology, which is a mouthful, but essentially (laughs) it is um, marrying up the needs of the business with um, the needs of the people and how do we motivate, successfully motivate our workforce to enhance performance. So it's really... um, kind of combining the things that I love the most about, you know, what I do, which is I love people Mm -hmm. and I love working with people and coaching and mentoring and that kind of thing. And I also love the side of things where I get to see um, some of those metrics and things come together of, okay, how do I actually quantify, um, you know, engagement or retention and things like that. So yeah, it um, is kind of just mirroring those two different things. And I find it to be very fascinating to sort of be that bridge between two worlds of a very quantifiable, like manufacturing minded um, workforce, 
in addition to the very critical piece, which is our people and becoming more critical every year and with, you know, a younger generation coming through the workforce. So. Wow, that's so cool. I feel like those skills would be really applicable to someone who's in HR, so that completely makes sense um, why you're getting your master's degree in that. You mentioned a little bit earlier that you have worked in customer service, and I totally agree with you. I think everyone should have like some sort of customer service job just to like, experience being in the trenches. But I wanted to ask, um, did you see any similarities and or any differences between working in uh, customer service based role versus working in HR for something like a machine shop? Yeah, definitely. I think at least once a week about how critical that role that I had in, in customer service was to, um, you know, forming the foundation for my thought process in the HR world. And some of those similarities that I see are really, um, you know, so there's always that, that old saying of the customer is always right. The customer is not always yeah. right. So it's it's having that tactful, um, creating those tactful messages to send to people when, you know, sometimes it's not a, a message that they want to hear, but how do we tactfully present that to them so that they're, um, you know, able to accept that in a way and digest it and that it doesn't put them on the immediate defensive. Um, so that was definitely mm-hmm. one skill that I continue to hone in on, but really helped. Um, as well as um, empathy. Like, I just really believe that empathy is a massive employability skill. um, And customer service definitely taught me that. Um, If you're willing to learn about it and willing to learn from it, I think that, um, yeah, you can really learn that in any role, but you have to be open to it. um, Because there's definitely people, Mm -hmm. and we've probably all met them, that uh, go the opposite way of, you know, don't want to have any empathy and immediately get jaded. Um, and I think that, you know, there's reason for that too. Um, but I think Mm -hmm. being able to lean into the positivity of it and practicing empathy and kindness in a people setting is really critical. And I learned that in customer service. Off of that, what advice would you give to someone who might have too much empathy, you know, comes into this role and it's Mm -hmm. just completely draining, you know, it's a, it's a people oriented role working with people can be very draining, especially on a daily basis. Do you have any advice for someone who might be in that position? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely can be if it's becoming a daily issue. Um, I often have to tell myself, you know, the difference between personal and professional. So if you're Mm. good at what you're doing and you are taking it seriously, there's going to be days that it's just draining and that's a hard day and you go home and you, you know, eat a family size pack of um, pizza rolls and, you know, (laughs) move on with your life. Um, But if it's becoming an issue where it's a a daily um, occurrence, you know, really finding that separation between personal and professional. um, And that's really helped me. But I think that you can't ever turn off your empathy entirely and still be successful at what you're doing. Because regardless, no matter how much automation and robotics and things like that, that we can integrate into our workforces, there's always going to be that people element and where there's people, yeah. there has to be, you know, empathy and kindness and relatability. Yeah, totally. 
Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit here and talk a little bit about the like interview process side of things. I know when we were gearing up for this episode, we had a lot of people write in who were really interested to hear your perspective about the interview process and what someone in HR might look for a candidate. So I wanted to start the question off with, have you um, been through that process yet when you are interviewing a new hire for a specific role? What has it been like if so? Yeah, so I've done probably thousands of interviews at this point. Oh my gosh. Um, over my career, I used to work in very high volume manufacturing, hiring shop floor level roles with a high turnover. So I would do, you know, several interviews a day. So I've definitely been through that process. And in my um, most recent position, um, when I switched companies, um, I've done more of those um, professional lower volume type interviews. So my, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll say everybody does it a little bit different. Every company does it different. But typically in the industry, what you'll find is that candidates are going through, um, you know, a process flow. Some companies are more rigorous than others, but typically any company is going to have that initial screening process. So looking at that resume initially, that's your first sort of impression that um, a recruiter is receiving. And then Mm -hmm. possibly some sort of phone screen. Usually Um, I have seen some companies start to do this more, digitally, maybe more casually over email. But typically, you know, if you've passed that first sniff test from your resume, you'll have some sort of screening and interaction with a recruiter. And then from there, it's really that um, interview process with the hiring manager, possibly another manager or another member of HR. Um, So working through all those different levels. Um, So if you want, I can go into a little bit more detail on... um, at each stage, what an organization may be looking for. Yeah, I would say like, once you get past the phone screening, what would you say someone, uh, an organization is looking for in a candidate? Yeah, I believe these days, uh, organization is really a green flag for me uh, is is honesty. Um, So if somebody can be honest about their um, experience and where it's at, even if um, you have... you know, like, oh, crap, I only have four years of experience in this position is asking for five. Being honest about that and saying, like, you know, I know that I've only had four years of experience in this specific role, but I do feel that my other experience, um, you know, equates to um, where where this position would would need me to be at um, and being honest about things. What is a red flag is when you can tell when people are... um, telling you a story or making things up or saying words just to sound like they, they hope, they hope this person thinks that they know what they're talking about, that kind of thing. Like I said, I've done thousands of interviews. I guarantee the people that you're interviewing with have done quite a few as well. So they can see past that. So really just being tactfully honest in what your experience is and, and where you're at. Out of curiosity, what are some of these telltale signs when you know someone's someone's fibbing? <laughs> they just pulled out the duck, yeah, they, they, they pulled out the job description. <laughs> they're like, oh, these SOPs that I uh, AQL and all these on <laughs> like all these random abbreviations that don't make sense. But out of curiosity, do you have any certain things that you look for? Oh, for sure. Um, definitely one of them that I've noticed is when somebody uh, answers a question and then asks right after like um is that what you're talking about or um oh <laughs> I had I had um, no <laughs> I had somebody uh, actually today who um you know we asked have you worked with uh with a 
CMM machine, a CMM measuring mm-hmm. machine for a quality lab. And um, he said, oh, yeah, I've worked with a lot of different measuring devices. And, um, you know, I've worked with this and that. And then at the end, he said, and, and maybe if you explain what a CMM was a little bit more. <laughs> oh, and no. We're like, oh, oh, no. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, when we talk about like green flags up front, just saying like, oh, no, I'm not familiar with that piece of equipment. You know, these are the types that I have worked with. So just being honest. Other signs of, um, you know, being able to tell when somebody's maybe not telling the whole truth and certainly you're going to be nervous during an interview but avoiding the Mm -hmm. the ramble and I think just like I said sort of having that honesty up front and then backing it up so you know if somebody's asking um are you familiar with this specific type of software you know oh no I'm sorry I'm not familiar with that specific type of software this is what I've worked with in the past you know this is the data entry systems that we've worked with ERP systems that I've worked with in the past um you know, I catch on really quickly, what programs do you guys use here, you know, and kind of continuing that conversation and keeping it natural that way. So it sounds like if someone doesn't have specific experience for the question that they're asked in an interview, your best advice is to uh, be honest about your answer and maybe try to give um, a a piece of experience that might be similar? Mm -hmm. Or how, how do you suggest that someone like rebound in that situation? Like they're panicking, they're like, oh my God, I don't know how to answer this. How do I like bring it back to showcase my skills and abilities for this role? Yeah, I think it definitely takes practice. So I really encourage people to have those conversations in their mind and, um, just sort of create that muscle memory for yourself when you're creating an answer. But, you know, my advice would be to, um, sort of, like you said, have that, um, reflect and rebound sort of mentality. So mm-hmm. have that reflection of the honest reflection, like, oh, you know, I don't have that experience. And then rebounding and redirecting it toward the interview and creating those relevant um, topics at hand. So I think uh, that's really what I would recommend. What I wouldn't recommend is, mm-hmm. you know, just being like I say, there's tactful honesty, and then there's, you know, maybe not so tactful honesty. So you know, yeah. you don't have to <laughs> Just be like, oh, no, I've never done any of that. Like, I don't even know what that is, you know, or or you, you explain it to me. You know, I don't have the interviewer explain <laughs> explain what you're supposed to be doing to you. And um, sort of that reflection of, yeah, I'm not familiar with that particular program. These are the programs I've worked with in the past. Um, what are you guys mm-hmm. working with here? Um, so sort of that redirecting it back into the interview setting. Going back to resumes specifically, you know, you mentioned you did, you've done a thousand interviews. I'm sure you looked at 2000 resumes from that. So one thing I've noticed just in general, because I love this job search stuff, is it seems like when hiring managers are looking at resumes, they have a personal preference. You know, some people, and I know it, of course, you want to hit what's on the job description. You, It varies per industry, but, you know, some people like some certain formats. Some people don't like adding some certain sections. How would you suggest a candidate or a job search you know, someone in the job search approaches this where each hiring manager might have their own preference. Is there, you know, any general trends that you can give as a suggestion to follow? Yeah. So I would say um, in order to play it safe, but also be sticking out on your resume, the things that people tend to have strong negative opinions about when it comes to resumes would be photos on resume. I don't need to see your photo on your resume. That's a, uh, that can be a compliance issue. It sets us up as HR for um, some affirmative action stuff. (laughs) So that's one that, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's one that people tend to have a strong opinion about. Um, I don't need to see, you know, 
your last 20 years, I don't know that you have, you know, most of us are young professionals that are, you know, your typical audience, but you know, we don't need to see every single um, experience back to when you worked at Dairy Queen in seventh grade, right? So putting relevant experience (laughs) or the past seven years or 10 years or, you know, whatever is that relevant amount of time, you don't need to clutter up your resume with all of those things. Another piece that people have strong opinions about seeing on resumes um, would be um, a, a long, uh, ex- exhaustive list of all of your, you know, <laughs> skills and abilities. I think you know the the short um, list is is good of the of the maybe your top strengths and things like that as far as technical mm-hmm. abilities and things like that go. But I see a fair amount of resumes where people almost their whole like second page of their resume is just like a bullet point list of like Microsoft Office and you know teamwork oh, <laughs> and like that kind of thing. And that's something that people have strong opinions from a recruiting perspective about. So avoiding those things that people have strong negative opinions about um, and then really, you know, creating that the meat and potatoes of that resume to make it concise and have it, you know, capture what that job is is looking for um but you don't have to get crazy with resumes so no colors no hot pink (laughs) i don't think that personality on a resume is bad at all (laughs) that's one thing that i would say i don't have a strong opinion on and um i'm a part of a hr professionals group and, and we all don't have a strong opinion on and we've talked about this before um colors and adding flair to your resume is certainly not a bad thing um, I think personality, um, it show, it's a way to show your personality and companies are definitely looking for uh, culture ads and culture fit, um, current times um, specifically. So, you know, having personality there, but that personality doesn't need to be, like I said, your headshot from, you know, your sophomore year of college yeah. <laughs> or whatever that looks like. I want to touch on the career aspect, but Lexi, I think you might have one more question in our list about like interview questions. Oh, yes. Actually, I really, okay. So I personally really like the question, you know, the closeout question in an interview, do you have any concerns with my qualifications as a candidate? But I've been seeing some stuff online about how people should avoid asking this question. It's, you know, too upfront. It doesn't give the hiring manager too much time to reconvene. It kind of puts them in an awkward position. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks for bringing that up, Libby, because I, <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I would say um, each company is going to be a little bit different as far as how comfortable their hiring managers are um, in an interview setting. Um, for many, um, more professional roles, it's lower volume. So for the types of roles that, you know, you ladies are interviewing for and much of your audience is interviewing for, the managers are probably interviewing at a lower volume. Um, You know, they're not doing four interviews a week, um, you know, on a regular basis. So a question like that, you know, might throw them off. Um, And again, they may or may not have HR in the room with them to be able to, (laughs) you know, answer that question for them in a tactful way. I'm trying to think of like, if I were in that situation, you know, I realistically would say that, um, I mean, if it were me, I would say we interview all qualified candidates. And, you know, if you're in the room, then that means you're a qualified candidate. Um, But it is a pretty uh, direct question. And I'm trying to think if there's a way to, you know, word it more tactfully, I would almost ask it in a way of, you know, rather than, do you have any concerns with my qualifications for this role? 
maybe asking, um, you know, how, how is success in this role going to be measured or what is your ideal candidate look like would be a good question. Um, you know, what type of experience does your ideal candidate have? Because they would know those answers already. They've probably thought quite a bit about an ideal candidate. So that might be a good way to soften that question a little bit, but still get the answer that you're looking for as well. Definitely. I feel like it's hard to balance that personal preference with who you're interviewing with. Some people might love it. Some people might hate the directness. So yeah, I guess just feel it out as and it honestly, goes. <laughs> if it's a, if that's your, your style and a interview, somebody that you're interviewing with doesn't appreciate that style, that's probably not a team you want to be on anyway. So it good could, point. you know, asking Very that good question point. directly could be saving yourself too. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Okay, so we've touched a little bit on like, what's it like to be in HR and male dominated industry? We touched a little bit about resumes and the interview process. And next, I want to move into questions that are more focused on like, career and women working in male dominated industries, because it's kind of surprising, but we get a lot of questions about how do I handle things like microaggression in the workplace or how do I handle discrimination in the workplace? So I wanted to start off strong on this topic. What advice do you have someone have for someone who is experiencing some toxic masculinity or microaggression in a male dominated industry? Yeah, that's definitely a, um, a tough one. And I think it goes back to the, the personal versus professional um, scenario and I definitely encourage people to, I wouldn't say this in an HR setting uh, to anybody yeah. else. If somebody was coming to me with a complaint about, you know, experiencing microaggression based on their gender in the workplace, this isn't what I would tell them. But from a, right. you know, peer-to-peer -peer situation um, to, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and assuming positive intent um, in people, I think goes a long way. So, you know, ruminating on that message that was sent and, and thinking through it a little bit of, okay, this is the words that were said. What was mm -hmm. the message this person was trying to send me? Were they trying to send me a message that I don't know what I'm doing? Okay. How can I send a message back to them that I do know what I'm doing? And I also think that it's been beneficial um, for me and my you know professional life as well to have certain um, almost mantras or phrases that I can have in my arsenal to, you know, rebuttal Ooh. for certain people. So for example, one that I've been, you know, putting to practice recently is if, you know, a, a decision gets made that is against an opinion that I've already voiced, um, or, you know, ignores an opinion that I've already voiced saying, you know, my opinion on this, um, on this matter still stands. However, if we're moving forward, this is what I think we can do to make it as successful as possible. So kind of creating those more firm, phrases in your head that you can re rebuttal to people. Um, I'd also encourage you to look for the, you know, male figures in your industry or in your environment that um, are a, an ally for women and that are, uh, you know, equal with women. I've been very lucky and blessed that um, the workplace that I'm at currently, it is primarily male dominated. Um, but the team members that I work with are incredible, you know, men who have, you mm -hmm. know, always respected, um, at least in, they've always, they've never intentionally disrespected and have definitely been intentionally disrespected, <laughs> disrespected at other places. Um, and honestly, I think um, 
men's brains work differently where sometimes the bluntness of approaching them maybe later and saying, Hey, this thing that like you said to me, like that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, is there something I can do to, to help remedy this? Or, um, can you help give me some clarity to your feedback so that I can understand a little bit better of what's going on? Um, and that direct approach (laughs) coming from a woman to a man can be very jarring for that person. And I've often had people Mm -hmm. be like, oh my gosh, like I, that's not what I meant at all. Like, you know, I apologize for that, that kind of thing. Um, now it's not every man. <laughs> it's not a universal, you know, applicably such universally applicable situation. Um, but mm-hmm. directness, like men respond to direct communication and women often, that's not my go-to. <laughs> I'm not a direct communicator all the time, but I'm learning to be, especially in a, in a setting where I'm working with mostly people that prefer direct communication. Yes. I'm a big fan of setting, sending subtle signs. I'm like, oh, they'll get it. Like, no, they won't. Like, just talk, <laughs> just say it. Like, you're thinking about this so much. Um, off of that topic, out of curiosity, have you been approached with these situations, you know, from women where they feel uncomfortable or they have felt a little, you know, I wouldn't say attacked. I think attacked is a strong word, but have you ever had these situations that you've had to deal with from an HR perspective? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it is unfortunate that it does certainly still happen. Um, I am grateful that, you know, the women in the workplaces that I've been in have felt comfortable enough to come forward. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's happened in situations from a peer to peer perspective of two people that are in similar roles, um, and often can be, um, remedied just through some mediation or having those tactful conversations with, you know, the individual that's involved. Um, and it's, you know, also happened in roles where maybe somebody is a superior. Um, and I will say that 90% of the time that something like that is happening, the, you know, male involved doesn't realize how their behavior is being perceived. Um, and when oh, wow. it comes to, you know, people things, perception is reality for that person. And, you know, if a male is in a leadership role, then they need to be in charge of their perception and be taking ownership and responsibility for that. Um, and so I've, I've gotten good response from, again, just being tactfully honest with, with that person to say like, Hey, you know, I've had some complaints recently about, you know, you've been, this is a hypothetical example complaining a lot about, about your family life and it's making people uncomfortable. Um, you know, I just wanted to bring that up to you that, um, you know, uh, being tactful in the conversations that we're having in the workplace and reading body language on people and knowing whether or not they're, you know, engaged with that conversation with you. There's nothing wrong with talking about your personal life, but you know, some of the topics that are coming up are, you know, making people uncomfortable and the person's like, Mm. Oh gosh, I didn't even realize like, I thought we were just talking, you know, she, she told me about something that was going on at home. So I thought I was relating to her and, you know, maybe I took it too far, that kind of thing. So, so it sounds like the main solution is to just be transparent in these situations. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that, um, is really scary, especially if you're just starting a workplace (laughs) or if you're new somewhere, that's like terrifying to think about like, oh my gosh, I have to be on it. Like being transparent and vulnerable because really that's what it boils down to is vulnerability and I think that's one thing that women have a advantage in the workplace 
is that women are expected to be vulnerable. Like men expect that women will be vulnerable. And I think we sometimes want to fight that because we want to fight this like stereotype or the stigma. But I really believe that femininity is a superpower, especially in the workplace. And when we can talk to, you know, our male peers um, in that vulnerable way and tap into that, it's the whole like masculine energy, feminine energy, yin yang situation. Ooh, they respond yes. to that vulnerability with vulnerability. <laughs> like if you come on the defensive, they respond with the defensive. Um, so I think leaning into that vulnerability, I've found a lot of value in that just in the last year and a half to two years on myself as well. You know, we mentioned this situation where you have women approaching you because they feel uncomfortable in a situation that was set up, you know, that occurred with a man. Out of curiosity, have you ever been approached by a female with a concern from a that happened because of another female? More frequently than the males. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And I think, yeah, for sure. And it's... um. Again, I think I, I have some of my own theories from all those podcasts I listened to on, <laughs> um, you know, psychology and that kind of thing. But um, those when there's a lot of that, like feminine energy and like vulnerability in a room, it can breed into almost a competitive nature or a, or a catty nature where people get under each other's skin. And that's a really yeah. tough one to move through. And it happens more frequently than uh, males in the workplace, for sure. Um, because, uh, like you were saying, Lexi, of the sending subtle messages, like women think we're sending all these subtle messages to one another and it's, it's getting lost in translation. <laughs> now we get that subtle message. It always out. does. Oh, girl. It always does. <laughs> <laughs> it never yeah. works, guys. It never and works. And I think it's really unfortunate because we should be each other's biggest supporters and yeah. especially in, you know, your guys' industry being in STEM that can be so competitive, especially like when you're coming from college and you're thinking about it in that way of you're kind of you're competing for these entry level jobs with your peers. There's that competitive spirit. But when you get into the workplace, like we're all on the same team, we're all working toward the same goal. Like we need to be working together and getting on the same page because our boomers are going to retire. Our millennials are going to age <laughs> out and it's just going to be us and we can't be fighting be with one another. We're going to be running the world. Yeah. We're going to be signing all those documents off. This is it. Spending the money. This is it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've kind of stuck on this, like, I like how we've moved into this feminine versus male energy. We touched on how, like, women and men oftentimes are communicating in different styles. So, um, Paisley, what would be your advice to a woman who is in a male dominated industry and who is trying to face or deal with that harsh criticism that maybe at the end of the day might not even be criticism might just be the other person being direct. How do you like internally calm yourself down and continue on with your career, or with your work day? Yeah. I think that really comes from being confident in who you are as a person and as a professional. Um, and that takes time. <laughs> and a lot of times I found that when I personally am on the defensive or getting worked up about something, it's because whatever that person said triggered an insecurity in myself. So, um, you know, I think what's helped me a lot um, in my profession is being honest with myself about the things that I'm not good at. <laughs> like just being honest and saying like to myself, I'm really bad at being a um, 
methodical person. If you have me do the same task over and over again, I am going to mess it up. Like it's not going to go good. Like data entry, not my jam. So we'll give that to somebody else to do. Or when I do have to do it, I really have to focus on it and double check it and that kind of thing. Um, and then when somebody comes to me and says like, hey, Paisley, you you messed this up. Like, um, I don't think these numbers are adding up. I go, oh, yep, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll just be honest with them out of the gate. I'll say, oh, yep, wouldn't be a surprise if those weren't right. Uh, let me go through and double check it. You know, have it to you by end of day, whatever that looks like. And, you know, there's obviously different circumstances where the, um, you know, crit- criticality of those numbers are different levels. Um, right. But being honest with your mistakes, because I've often, you know, and when you do get that feeling in yourself, reflecting on like, what is it in me that is making me feel this way? Because people don't make you feel any certain way. It's, it's, it's something that's in you and taking ownership over that. Now, sometimes I say that with a caveat, sometimes, sometimes people do make you feel a certain way. Uh, but a lot of times it's just something internal. Definitely. I love that advice. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about how your company addresses um, and supports diversity and inclusion efforts. So whether that is during the hiring process, when, you know, with your current employees, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, this is something that our organization um, has been working on over the last year. And I'm really proud of us as a as an organization, and particularly our talent acquisition specialist has taken the reins on our DEI efforts. Um, so some of the ways that we are either currently working on or working on implementing over the next year or so um, are um, creating accommodations for interviewees. You know, we had an interview, um, you know, within the last twelve months that had a, um, you know. Uh, vision disability. So creating accommodations, asking oh. if they need those accommodations, that kind of thing. Um, also in the workplace, celebrating um, different um, cultures and diversity. So we had some uh, team members that had, um, you know, brought up some of their heritage and things like that. So encouraging those conversations of, um, hey, like what, what does that look like? Or what's this holiday look like for you in, in Hawaii or wherever that looks mm-hmm. like? Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And we also um, recently got some awards for being veteran ready employers. So hiring veterans is really high on our, um, you know, list of things that we are aspiring to do to be a a veteran employer of choice. So um, honoring those veterans with a lunch to celebrate where they can share stories from their time in the service. And um, yeah, it's a we are a smaller organization, so we can't do as much as some of the you know big players can do. But taking those little steps and communicating them with the organization, so com- communicating when you do a veteran lunch or when you're <laughs> celebrating. Now, obviously, we can't be like, "Hey, we just interviewed somebody with a vision disability," you know, to the whole general yeah. email. <laughs> but um, you know, communicating those wins and those things to kind of foster that culture of inclusivity and accepting. Kind of in the same vein, what, in your opinion, can we as women do to close the gender wage gap? Oh, I love this question. It's so good. (laughs) It's obviously a really complicated and multifaceted um, issue, and each organization is going to handle things a little bit differently. But I would definitely encourage women in the workplace to um, advocate for their increases and use, um, you know, your own data to back it up. But the first step I would really recommend for people is to talk to their HR team 
about, hey, can you help me understand um, how we calculate our um, compensation ranges for for roles in the in the mm. workplace? Like, I want to better understand where um, our numbers come from and that kind of thing. And that's totally a question that you should be able to ask. Um, whether it's an HR generalist, you depending on your organization, you may or may not have a compensation benefit specialist. Um, that's somebody that you could ask about that. Um, and if your organization is unable to be transparent about that, that's a red flag. So um, <laughs> if you can, um, mm-hmm. you know, ask that question initially to understand. Um, and then from there, um, you know, doing your own research and figuring out like what roles in your area, in your field, um, in your you know, geographical area um, typically make and then advocating for, you know, an increase within that. And what I'll say is the worst that somebody can say is no. <laughs> so yes, and, and knowing yourself too, if the answer is no, what are your next steps? Is it okay? Are you okay waiting until your annual increase to see what that looks like? Um, are you is it a hard, hard and fast line for you? Do you want to look for other positions? Um, but having a game plan for if that answer is a no. In regards to the market research aspect, do you have any certain websites that people can use as a resource when looking up these different salaries? Yeah. So Onet Online um, is a very HR, uh, HR type website. Um, but if you go to Onet Online, um, and you actually want to be looking for your job duties and responsibilities, not just your title, because the duties, responsibilities may look different. Um, so looking for a job title that has similar job duties and responsibilities to what your ter- current title has on ONET online, and it'll give you um, the option then to narrow it down to geographic location um, and give you a, a range of salary for that. And that one is data that is nationwide data from the... I want to say from the Bureau of Statistics um, that all that information comes from. So that's uh, that one tends to be a little bit more um, well respected in the industry and a little bit more accurate than something such as just like the general free salary.com or Glassdoor or that kind of thing. Was it ONA? O N A? O N E T, ONET Online. Oh, ONET. Okay, yes. okay. I asked that just because I, you know, personally when I hit my performance review, my manager, he asked me, you know, do some market research and see what's common for the area. I had nowhere to look. I was looking on Glassdoor. I was getting all these random salaries. I was looking at Indeed. I was like looking in California, getting these California prices when I'm in Chicago. (laughs) So that'll be very helpful for a personal, (laughs) on a personal standpoint. So I definitely wanted to hit that, especially (laughs) from an HR, you guys know where to, what's credible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we can probably wrap up this podcast episode. And the way we do that is, Paisley, we ask every single guest that we have on the podcast this one final question. And that is, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to your younger self, what would it be? I think that it would be to be the leader that I wish I had when I was younger, uh, to, to show up for the people that I'm around, even though I don't have direct reports right now, but having influence over people, be the leader that you wish you had when you were first starting out. 
Great advice. Amazing. Paisley, if people want to reach out to you and further ask you more questions about maybe your role, maybe they're interested in becoming um, an HR professional themselves or just want to ask you general interview questions, uh, do you mind if people reach out to you? And if so, what would be your contact information? Yeah, they can absolutely reach out. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Paisley Pilot, um, P-A-I-S-L-E-I-G-H-P-E-L-O-T. Um, you can find me on Instagram, if you're into that, uh, I don't put anything interesting up. It's not a professional page, but it's at <laughs> underscore Paisley. <laughs> Lots of pictures of my dog and uh, stories about Taylor Swift, if you're into that. Amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so feel free to reach out on, on LinkedIn or Instagram. Or if somebody wants to get my email from you too, Living Lexi, they're welcome to do that. But I'm happy to talk further with people, especially if you want to get into HR. HR is awesome. So... <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations Amazing. on starting your master's. Thanks. Congratulations on getting engaged. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Every point I get, I tell people. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of My Best Friends and Engineer. Text your BFF a link to this episode and be sure to share it on your social media so we can continue building this community of women in STEM. If you like this episode, be sure to leave a rating and written review on your favorite podcast listening platform and follow us on Instagram at my best friends and engineer to keep up with all of our latest updates. If our listeners want to see more from you, Libby, where can they find you? You can find me at Libby Beyond the Label on Instagram and TikTok. If they want to see more from you, Lexi, where can they find you? You can find me at Engineer Lexi on Instagram and TikTok. I'm Lexi. And I'm Libby. And, and thanks, thanks for listening, listening to, to my, my best, best friends, friends and engineer. engineer.